Man, if I could do it all over again, I'd be a fucking farmer. <laughs> I just, I just have my fields, my stock. You know, uh, I don't think it's quite as glorious a life as you know. Oh, I'm not looking for glorious. I'm just looking for not this. <laughs> oh come on. Oh, it's been a day, my boy. It's been a day, but I'm here now. So we. I've I, had a I'm, chill one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think you're starting this one. I think right. I think so. All right. Clap it in three, two, JK. Welcome back to class, everybody. I am Shimpei Ijiro. And I am your uh, yearning for another reality, Ricky. Anyhow, uh, I'm Ethan. I mean, it's One just, of your hosts. It could have been anything, man. We bought you podcast. Could have been a farmer. We're broken. You know, like some kind of laborer, blue collar. That's the life, man. Yeah. I just, I just had, a, I had a day where it was just one of those days that makes you reconsider the path that brought you here to this moment in time. How are your knees feeling? Pretty uh, intact and not worn by labor. Right. So I'm just saying there's some ups and downs. But my carpal tunnel, though, Aww. is not there yet, but it Aww. will be by 40. Carpal tunnel. Yeah, man. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the real occupational hazard of a developer. Yeah. <laughs> But all in all, like, like I was telling you, I did solve the problem that was plaguing my day, and I didn't have to be this way, so I have this intense mixture of accomplishment and blinding fucking rage in my body right now. That's the secret. It's the secret sauce to a, to a good episode, I think, because speaking <sighs> of... Going back and turning the clock all the way to a different path in life. We're talking about a show that was kind of famous at the turn of the year for a completely different reason than the show's contents itself. But now that it's finally released from its imprisonment, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's one that is so dense that we could probably convince you to give it a try, even though the hype train has kind of left the station for it. It's kind of pulling back since people are getting to view it, and it's getting pretty well received. So, Ethan, you know, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the 2022? Th slash three, technically? Yeah, slash 23, um... I guess it wasn't in the summer. It so. was incarcerated in the summer. Yeah, okay. Incarcerated in the summer. It is called Summertime Rendering. Yes, that show uh, was released on parole uh, by the big mouse himself, the big man, oh, Disney. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. You get your fucking ass back in jail, sir. You're my property. Oh, oh boy, Shinpei. You're going to make me a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Just do it 35,000 times in a row. You can do that. <laughs> uh, the, the studio that made this one is actually quite interesting. It's OLM. And you may remember it, but most likely you don't. They're the ones who produce shows like Odd Taxi. But also, when I was looking up one of their other works, I saw Pokemon movies two through seven at least. Mm. At least. Did you ever watch that short Pokemon Origins? Yeah, they did that, too. Okay. Uh, and they did a lot of the newer Pokemon stuff as well. So a lot of what made Pokemon pop off in the modern era, you can thank OLM for that. So, you know, kind of a strange studio. And to pick this one up, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty shocked that given their repertoire, um, but maybe also not. If Odd Taxi's in there, they're kind of uh, down with some experimental shit. 
That's definitely true. Yeah. So first glance, you you kind of alluded off mic right before we started some uh, an interesting take on it for a personal. Uh, yeah. Reaction. So this show, um, we obviously were supposed to record this yesterday, not today. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's twenty five episodes. Twenty five. And I had started yesterday at like midway through, probably. Okay. And these are. It felt like I was in a time warp. I know I've said this with a lot of shows, but it felt like, for whatever reason, every 22 minutes was more like 50. I was I felt like I was never getting closer to that episode 25. I, I What was funny about that is that... I, it's kind of what I thought you were going to say, but I was hoping that it's not because the content was lacking in quality for you. It's just dense as fuck. Well, like, so I think the quality is fine. And I think we're going to get into detail, obviously, later on, why I thought it was potentially a little longer than it needed to be. Okay. I mean, like, there was a lot of loops here. This is this is like one of your classic time-looping um, anime. Trying to nestle up right next to the Stein Gates, the ReZeros, the Erased even a little uh, bit. To be honest, there's a lot of shows that I felt like this pulled from. It, it had a lot of shicky vibes. Definitely a lot of Charlotte vibes. Tokyo Revengers got a little love in there. Tokyo Revengers. And weirdly enough, at part Stranger Things. Like, I feel like there's a Stranger Things element here, too, which they clearly way laid into the show. They definitely were inspired by the the Upside Down kind of concept. Um, Do I think that, that... We've talked about the shows that feel very borrowed in the past. I think they have enough here where it didn't feel like this hodgepodge of just things that someone had seen before and was just like, oh, okay, sure. Like, I'm going to pull that. I'm going to pull this. They they have their own footing and it, they have a really unique take, I would say, on the time looping element here, um, which, you know, there's one particular aspect that I think adds a sense of urgency in a show Actually, where... a little bit also like um, Bunny Girl Simpa. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, again, very hodgepodge and we'll go through, like, certain elements are definitely inspired by other stuff, but the, the melding is, you know, greater than the, uh, the sum of its parts, I would say. So, setting the stage, and, and what we're going to try to do is go... Exp- Extremely spoiler free because it is spoiler heavy. We'll try to save as much as we can to the end, but there's a lot to talk about in which will not uh, need the assistance of spoilers, I th- I'd say. So what you have in this show is a main character named Shinpei. Oh, uh, what was his last name? Ajiro. Ajiro, yeah. Shinpei Ajiro, who is coming back to his island town uh, after two years of being away at culinary school, actually, for the funeral of his Longtime childhood best friend Yushido, and uh, kind of starts out in a somber note. You know, obviously, you know, uh, hasn't seen his friends and or the the family he grew up with for two years. Uh, we learned that he's got a bit of a tragic past. His parents were killed in a boating accident, and he went to live with some uh, other longtime friends on the island. You get a real sense of the setting that everyone knows everyone. You got a, you got a quaint little community on this. I would assume southern Japan island. I would I would guess. Yeah, I guess we probably should have figured out where Wakayama Prefecture is because they're yeah. very clear about that. And then also they, they do show like real live photos or like video of this island. Yes. So it's like a legit place. Yeah, so it's clearly, it's it's meant to invoke. Definitely if you are up to snuff with local Japanese culture and lore, I imagine it's probably hit for an Eastern audience more so in that department than a Western one. Nevertheless, it was still a great setting. This show is 
beautiful both both in framing and visuals and you really get a sense of this cozy <laughs> island community uh which i think is a great backdrop for the shit that goes down initially because what you have at the very first episode one you have the uh the how do i put this in a way that's a little more dramatic he's back the day july 22nd the year, God knows when. Not really sure. <laughs> wait, wait, they never say. Um, phones but, look kind of old. So. Yeah, a little oh, old. Oh, wait, 2018. Is it 2018? Yeah. Which makes sense because they mentioned the Final Fantasy VII remake and they have like the iPhone 8. Yeah, Which yeah. is really well done for the time. Like the, the, the show not tell. Not important because the year isn't important for most of it. Goes to the funeral, meets up with his old longtime surrogate pseudo-sister Mio and uh, they are going to the shrine for this festival, the summer festival on July 24th. He's there for two days. And oopsie, what do we have? A little bit of a uh, murdery situation. A little bit of a murder plot? There's oh, no. been a murder. And that murderer is none other than someone who looks exactly like Shinpei's friend Mio. Down to the minute detail. But... This clone or this doppelganger is wearing the clothes that Mio was wearing a day ago. Right. And murks them both without any explanation. And then Shinpei wakes up on the train on July 22nd. The ferry. Is it a ferry? Yeah. He wakes up on a water train. Yeah. Uh, July 22nd. A train. I believe they call those water taxis. I think it's water taxi. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they set the premise real quick. You realize you got yourself a uh, a time looping situation. You have a bit of uh, an unknown supernatural instance happening on the island, and uh, Shinpei kind of you know quickly adjusts to his newfound predicament, and uh, the game is afoot. Like he's got to figure this shit out. Um, I think first Shinpei is a main character. In in a lot of shows like this, the, I find that the main character is a really interesting vehicle to stand out from the pack. You know, you have in Steins Gate, you have this kind of flying to himself megalomaniac kind of portrayer who matures in his own right through a situation like this time looping time looping thing. You have uh, Subaru in ReZero, who's, you know, kind of this uh, uh, nexus point of suffering porn and just like, you know, takes on all the mental and physical strain of being in a situation like this. But I liked the way they did Shinpei. He he borderlined the exact uh, uh, intermediate point between Understanding that this is a, a fuck situation and isn't just this kind of edgy, like always in control lord of himself, but he does, you know, take a step back and think of things logically in a believable way, right? It's not so much that it's fucking like, there's no way he can brainiac hit this shit, right? But it's not so little that it's like, you're a dumbass. Yeah, I think they, they did a really good job towing the line between, um, like, a normal person who reads a lot of like fiction, a lot of like supernaturally weird shit. And then also somebody who I guess has this mantra to like take a step back and take a bird's eye view of a situation. And then like he does talk about it kind of later on. Like he goes more into detail about that, I guess, aspect of himself. But you, I mean, even in your, your description of him just now, you said takes a step back and looks at, you know, and he does like frequently mentioned that in the show 
like taking that bird's eye view. And so um, kind of in a really great vehicle to be the guy who's like really pushing the plot one way or the other for most of the show. I didn't even notice you had a great point there because it's kind of a, another uh, point to accentuate what I was getting at with him with the his love of fiction narratives with right. books. Um, because the, the one thing that this show does very, very well is that other shows, I think like Tokyo Revengers kind of falls into this this trap, is that there's a lot of kind of ass-pull situations from at least the perspective of the main character. Our main character in Tokyo Revengers, he has no business being like brave in certain situations. There's been no kind of lead up to that other than I want to be more brave. But he's got no context for like flipping that switch. With- well, I actually, I kind of disagree yeah. with you. I think this is kind of a situation where you have to really put yourself into the perspective of like in, in Tsukamichi or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. What's his name? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking up. Anyway, Michi's um, perspective, like he has lived through his life as a 30 something year old, regretting all these decisions that he didn't do or didn't, right. didn't make. So he's just full of that regret. And it's like, I think actually pretty similar to this guy. He does not want to be in a situation where he regrets the things that he can't take back. For instance, there's this long, I mean, it's like really not that important to the plot, but the reason that there's kind of like this, this gap between him and Ushio was like two years ago when he left for for uh, Tokyo, he basically like blew her off. Oh, heavy. Like it was, but very, like in yeah. a way where he was like trying to tell her something, but she wasn't like getting it. Yeah. And then yeah. they were both just like so stubborn little kids that they couldn't like get over the fact that they like obviously liked each other and obviously like wanted to be friends forever, that kind of thing. Right. And so Ushio didn't even say bye to him before he left. And so, like, I mean, I'm sure you've had fights with friends where it's like all of a sudden there's this like chasm it feels like between you. Oh, yeah. For like yeah. no reason. It's like stupid shit. Right, right. And then like even like going back to make up with them is just awkward and weird. And it's kind of, I think they did a really good job of portraying that. But it's kind of the idea, I think, like post her death, he's like, shit, I cannot let like anything like this happen again where I'm like going to regret it especially in a situation where they're actively being hunted. Right, right, right. And right? So, so I wanted to say that, that, again, another good point to where I was going, why another element of his character is so good in, in, a, in a story like this, is that all of his emotional through lines, all of the emotional drive of why he behaves and takes actions the way he does, they all feel very, very justified, right? That bird's eye view mentality, if that didn't, and he, the reason why he does that is because of, you know, the loss of his parents earlier on, he's alluded to in the story many, many times, like, I've been, I've been kind of taking a step back and distancing myself from the hardship my entire life. I'm good at shutting the emotion down and really looking at things objectively. Now, if he were a main character that did that and we had no emotional tethering or justification for why he'd behave that way, it'd feel very, okay, he's just doing that because that's how you write a main character like this. No, they gave credence to why he is actually quitty, uh, quitty, quite excellent at this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent, but it's he excels at that that perspective. The reason why he takes this supernatural shit in stride is he's a huge fan and well accustomed to fictional narratives and tropes because he's a fucking book nerd. 
for for that kind of thing. Yeah, and they did a really good job, I think, of laying the groundwork for the shadow kind of idea with, like, the goddess of the island is supposedly mother of shadows, the the author that he loves has this book called Swamp Man, which essentially talks about shadows. Shot right? for shot, it's kind of like what's going on right. here. And so he's like primed extremely well for this, which is great. Yeah. So when you have a main character like this that is meant to about to big brain the shit out of like a really complex situation with uh, with the uh, kind of godlike knowledge that time looping will give you. There, the added effort of making those decisions make sense for that character is on full display here. I think character writing here is one of this show's strongest suits. I love damn near every character in this in this story. Damn near. But I would say the, like all the ones that had every part to play of, of any merit were just mwah, chef's kiss beautifully written. I, I love them all. Um especially especially Shinpei for all the reasons we said so you're, you're gonna feel like this isn't just a story about oh we have 4d chess for the sake of 4d chess no all of his moves not just have logical weight but emotional weight as well uh, i so you hats off to the show for that one yeah for and sure. we, we actually talked about it beforehand a couple of days ago we were saying like it doesn't feel like he's made any real like decisions that were so far out of the realm of like possibility based on like being somebody who reads books and like is intelligent you're saying you thought he would do things similar to what we would do yeah tear away all that backstory and that and that kind of narrative foundation that they gave to this character in a vacuum it probably would some of his decisions be like wow that is an insane thing to try to do insane but you knowing shinpei the way that we got to know him throughout the the whole story you're like that makes complete sense that he would try to pull that specific move i mean once again i don't think he did anything like too nuts no no no. It's not, yeah, yeah yeah it's uh, not the, like he just like decided i can fly now you know <laughs> like uh i think he, they used all their resources pretty well i think resource management actually is a big part of this specific show which is funny yeah but yeah. um the other kind of thing i wanted to just quickly go in in depth on was like a real difference between a character like subaru and this character because I feel like, you know, a lot of people like Subaru and they like the way that he reacts to things. But I've always had like a big, like, I guess stick up my ass about it because he just like, at some point you've died so many times, you should be getting like at least numb to the thought of dying a bunch. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, everyone complains to me that like, oh, but he still feels it every time. And this is a character that I think did it right. He does feel it every time. But he does do a better job of like stepping back, literally, and realizing like I need to do this or else all this bad shit that just happened is going to stay forever. And so like having a character that is willing to take on the pain for the rest of the cast, essentially, which is frankly what he's doing, right? Yeah. Um, is definitely a better, I, I think maybe not a better take, but a take that I enjoy more on a character like this that has to die to loop. Um, and then in this case, it's actually a little bit more interesting too because of the mechanic of we'll, looping. We'll, we'll get into the, this mechanic here in a second after this because I got, I got a couple things to say what you're saying. But, but it's actually not super different from Subaru. Like Subaru has save points essentially. Right, 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 right. This one just, I think... It, it's a moving line. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. But I like the way you, I like the way you describe that because... Like, if you're going to have a show with a character's mechanic like this where death is required, that does 
venture that question, right? Like how does the how does the author interpret the weight of a death versus the weight of not doing so and then letting those actions have consequences in perpetuity? Um, the way that they did it with Subaru is that I actually think because I'm in the camp of people that like the way that Subaru reacts for one very specific reason, because it's a story about a guy who needs to understand that nothing ever gets better if you as a person don't change. So he's he doesn't he can't move past and change like that fear of death. Also, this little bit of side sauce that he's in a fantasy world now and there's a whole slew of eclectic cosmic and like magical horrors that I don't think like the idea of getting eaten from the inside out by rabbits is like probably not something you're going to experience in this world. God, I hope not. Holy shit, I hope not. If there's an army of, of rabid rabbits running around right now somewhere trying to eat people. Yeah, but I, I think this is actually more like harder to deal with because you either have to kill yourself specifically or you died because you have failed your mission in this specific case. Right. Right. And, and right. Subaru could like just get struck down by a random like meteor throwing guy and it's just like, well. Yeah, well. And, and I think... Th- that's that's why I think that this show does a good job. It literally is still sitting in the camp of that genre of this time loop kind of signing level shit, but it's starting to become apples and oranges when you look at the context of Subaru and his powers and Shimpane and his powers. The context of Subaru is meant to be this that he keeps retrying because the whole motif is he needs to he needs to change. But he's just a he's a piece of shit and he just doesn't change very yeah, and I will say the one like major glaring difference that is a point in Subaru's favor is that he doesn't know like is this the last time that I'm going to be able to revive? You know what I mean? That that fair, is like fair. existential dread. I understand. It's meant to be that dreadful. Yeah, the unknown of that. Yeah. Whereas like Shinpei for whatever reason has an exact knowledge of when he'll like return essentially if he were to die at that exact moment that's a good segue to talk about why this mechanic because when you talk about shows like this this mechanic is the driving kind of uh you know way that the main character gets some agency in an already pretty fucked situation that normal humans cannot participate in so he we do see at the beginning that he uh you know he loops and then when he is put in a situation where he has to loop again it's a little bit further than it was last time. So when he looped the first time, he was on the ferry, but the second time he was just getting off the boat. Right. So he's like, wait a minute, that's a little odd. And then the third time he loops, he's now well into the dock and has already met Mio, who like crashes her bike into the into the ocean. Um, and he goes, he actually jumps in, or he actually jumps in front in the third loop to like save her from going in the ocean, and he gets wet himself. The fourth loop, he's walking up the hill. He's already wet. Right. So he's like, oh, shit. And he starts to recognize that a, a couple things about this power. One, the uh, the complete abyss, like the point of no return is slowly creeping up on him from behind. So as he experiences time and then loops back that, you know, he ha- he will be further and further along in those two days or three days, really. And, you know, he can recognize that oh no like if i if this gap gets too little between when i loop back and when the point i go back to and it's behind that line i'm i'm dead i'm dead dead and uh i think this is a honestly a brilliant uh, a brilliant way to add some uh interesting things to a mechanic like this one it's simple 
it's quite simple, right? And in its simplicity, it adds a lot of urgency, right? You know, because it doesn't add urgency, it also adds agency too. If you can work it out, you have a bit of control and know when exactly where you'll be when you loop back, which is, which is rather cool, but he still recognizes like, this is an infinite, guys. I got maybe a dozen, maybe a baker's dozen in me. Right. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I like the system overall, and it seems like there's like the closer he is to the line, the faster the line is approaching. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like the longer into the the period of time that he's trying to, you know, avert this disaster, he can go, the slower the timeline will like catch up with him, which I think is an interesting kind of idea. It basically like penalizes gravely dying immediately when you respawn twice. It's such a simple, yeah, it's such a simple way to get rid of the perma hack like Subaru may have of just like, oh, that didn't go well, Merc. Didn't right. go well, try again. Didn't go well, try again. You can't spam this power. What it, and it's so simple. Um and it, it adds a lot to the show. Strategy has to be a little bit more deliberate. You know, the strategy of just like fuck it, I'll die every time um is is no longer viable once he figures this out. Uh, and he recognizes but it also makes them be tactical with their decisions that's yeah that's what i was gonna say right like at first they were all doing their own thing and then they realize like i can't possibly know what's happened to any of these people way out here unless we really like become a team and stay close there's actually like a, a situation pretty far into the loops where like they're idiotic and let one guy go off on his own and he dies, and then then the loop like instantly restarts, and they're like, "What the fuck happened?" And it's yes. just like you cannot be so flippant with your resource management in this case. You you gotta like keep it all pretty close to the chest. Yes. So all in all, I think combined with the main characters' writing and the way they just simply but like very cleverly tweaked the motif of a time time loop that's based on your own death. It, it's add this really unique identity to a show in this genre. And it does keep you pretty engaged because you're not just seeing someone suffer over and over again. Their suffering almost feels like it has some weight because you know that this loop, you know, this loop did just cost him something when he, he when he manages to not have to kill himself. He is literally buying time, like literally. And I think that's such a cool, cool thing. So being clever pays off, not just just ripping it over and over again so all in all high marks um though i do feel like there was a surprising lack of terrorism in this show uh, and how so is that i think i definitely would have like started doing like terrorism type shit to get people off the island interesting think about it all you have to do is get people to not be there on that fourth day or whatever let's then let's talk about the enemy here in a more general term which will lead us kind of maybe into characters and then spoiler city so like we had said at the beginning, the first loop, Shinpei sees a doppelganger of his longtime friend Mio, who, you know, is clearly something's up, something supernatural is going on here. We learn later that people have been calling this particular affliction the shadow sickness for generations now. Like this island's been plagued with the with this concept. Um, these shadows, we learn, have a couple unique properties. That make them pretty fucking scary. I got right. a good sense of dread from the concept of this. What they can do 
is they can almost like a camera flash, which they actually use like an old timey camera noise, which is rather interesting that if they scan a person or object, they can take on its shape. But if they scan something like a human with memories from up to the moment that they scanned that person, all the memories up to that point, they know everything right in your heart, in your mind. That's what they kept saying. And then once they're scanned, they can use that quote unquote data, which is how they said it in the show, to become a perfect mimicry, both internally and externally of the person that they scanned. That's a personal like dread, like fear of mine. Just like a like if someone were to like a shadow were to drop in here, scan me when you were like, say you're like the bathroom or something, scan me. And they can also make the person because the part of the mechanic is they have to like make the person disappear to to sustain that form. Otherwise, seven days later, they turn in the mud. So you go to the bathroom upstairs before we start recording. Shadow walks in here. Flash takes on my form scan. I disappear. I'm sitting here. All right, let's do this. Who says it didn't already happen? Oh my See? god! That, I, so, ah, it's it's so good. Like that that for me really did give me some chills at, at certain moments, certain key moments. I was like, oh like, yeah. At first, I was I was a little pissed because I'm like, there's literally no way to beat these fucking things. But then they started like bringing in like I guess I would call it like tribal knowledge of the shadows and shadow sickness on like how to deal with it. I wanted to bring that up a little bit too because in shows like this, it, it's. The the big trope is that you're facing a threat so unwieldy powerful that uh, you would need to loop over and over again to even stand a chance. And they lean on that trial and error. You see it in ReZero all the time. Um, but that tribal knowledge kind of offsets the need to lean on that trope too much. It's a mix, right? Of course, you're getting extra knowledge from looping. Um, but you're also like, this isn't just like an isolated thing that's happening to Shinpei and co. Right. right. We have like the character uh, Nezu, who's like, he's been here on this island his entire life. He had like a granddaughter at one point and his grandpa told him all about kind of the lore and the legends. So this island is imbued with this knowledge that's taken on a mythos of its own right. And now that it's kind of playing out that mythos can be leveraged as a knowledge base as right. well. So really cool way that they, they make the threat go from start completely impossible. Well, it's good because it would have taken even longer to get anywhere. Had they not had this character kind of come in and kind of explain a lot of the functions and, and, and like weirdly, I think actually a lot of times the enemies would come in and explain the functions of things too, which was, I think an odd choice and potentially like a little bit of a negative because like it makes I understand they think they're like, you know, gods and powerful and whatever. But it's just like I don't think in real life people are that much into monologuing about like, oh, I'm going to beat you because this is exactly how your power works. Yeah. I know you don't know that yet. Yeah, right. And I think the the element there that it's more that they truly do think that they're unstoppable. Like if you, they, they had no context. Well, they do have a lot of stuff stacked in their favor to be fair. Oh, to be fair. It's, it's definitely otherwise an impossible thing without the anomalous nature of Shinpei's gift. So they are an interesting threat because of that existential dread. But also I, 
I really found it interesting that they had this melding of like tribal entity. This thing feels primal as fuck, but it had a lot almost like technological elements of it too. It had data storage, right? It had a limited amount of things that can copy before other things would be deleted. It had, you know, mechanics that felt very mechanical in nature, the things they could do. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it ever was meant to be like, oh, they're kind of machines or whatever. They're not. Clearly, they're not. But I love the way that, that the authors melded. Well, I think it's supposed to play off like DNA is data that yeah, makes right. you you. Right. And they can they can uh, that this creature can emulate. And right. That's how it survives. Some parasitic creatures feed off of other living creatures. Others like like us just kind of like feed off of likes and clicks and shit but well, like because like, we don't understand memory and brains really at all it, it is kind of an interesting thought experiment to be like all right if you took an exact snapshot of our brains could you essentially clone our exact memories and like feelings of every situation we've ever been in gives me real ship of theseus vibes kind of thing i don't know what that means but There's it a, does sound like the ship of theseus <laughs> is kind of a it's like a myth or like a philosophical uh thought experiment that if you take a, a board from a ship and then replace another ship's board with that one and you keep doing that and trading at what point will boat a become point b boat b and vice versa so like well yeah, i think they talk they actually deal with that a little bit in this yeah, show right. because they're they're basically like if this shadow is an exact copy of the person that you loved and lived with or whatever for so long is form or substance more important right like, right is it them yeah, right. You know, and form, we don't just mean the appearance of someone. Their entire being is stored up to a certain point. Yeah, memories, everything. So it's kind of an interesting idea. And it does like provide some justification for some of the characters acting so fucking wild. Because there's a lot of like characters. Well, I guess not too many, but there's a few characters that do things that are just like out of this world insane. Like, and then you're like, well, I guess I kind of get it because of like that aspect of what shadows do. Yeah, exactly. So I think the, where I'm going to land on my interpretation of them having almost technological elements here, it's definitely a narrative uh, analog to, I think, like the question of, you know, is could a virtual you be as real as the flesh and blood you, right? And it's just kind of this uh, definitely a parallel, at least from what I saw. Um, I, I think it's around this time we're going to have to get into a little bit of spoiler territory here. We'll do what we can to keep it light, but we'll maybe like at like seven minutes at the end, we're just going to blast you with fucking spoilers. Oh, yeah. So if you don't want to get into spoiler city now, we're going to start talking about some of the characters, which will inevitably spoil some stuff. Um, definitely go check it out. It is not an anime you can sit idly and watch. I tried to work while I was watching the second half of it. No fucking way in hell am I was able to do anything else to follow. Right. And I, I was, so is, I think it is very calorically dense in that it takes a lot of mental calories to even like understand what the fuck is going on most yeah. of the time. But also I think like there's just, I mean like the, I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but we watched it on Hulu and the translation did a lot to actually help you figure out which character is actually talking. Oh yeah. Because a lot of times you're talking like to a shadow that you don't even know is a shadow. And then it'll be like shadow Ushio says, or like whatever it would be. Yeah. Or they also did this thing where 
Ushio, the real girl, didn't have an H on the end of her name, yeah, but the was, shadow version did, and then Mio say. and Mio did the same thing. So it was kind of an interesting like way to help the audience through it, because I, I got to be honest, it would be very, very difficult, I feel. Even probably dubbed would be harder to watch in this specific case, though I, I think... Um, I'm annoyed that I don't get dubs and I don't get the ability to watch at like 1.5 times speed because oh, it just you, feels like that would have solved a lot of my problems here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you need your special little dubs over there. But yeah, I guess, like the idea of... I could just think about like watching a dub of this would be so confusing unless there is some way they could put it in the voice and really, really sell it, right? Which, which they could probably do. Yeah, of course. But, um, I guess just like since we're still spoiler free, I do I do think that the setting was really sick. I like the idea of like it only being three days, like you don't have to worry about it like a whole bunch of time. We've talked about it with like Drara and stuff, like yeah, like and uh JoJo Part like four, where it's like keeping the setting and the timeline tight makes it feel personal and the stakes higher in a way. You don't have to be like the world is going to be destroyed. There's like a smidge of that here, but it never it's, got quite, it's quite similar, actually, like from a setting perspective to Dorara being in like all this happens in like two days. Yeah, and right, it's right. all in this one little city. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how do you extrapolate the story? You just give it more viewpoints, right? Being able to see more of what's happening in that time span and space area. So I do think the art was pretty good. The OPED were legendary through the first so half. So good. Wow. Um, and then I do think like all the characters were great as far as like design. I think they were all had like some depth to them. And there's some fights in here that are like they go toe to toe with the good shit, man. I, I do think that like they really went ham on their like budget in general. Yeah, honestly, like this is this the is the fireworks it, were actually phenomenal. The fireworks were so fire, dude. Yeah. Oh, so fire, so work, so much, so fire, so work. But yeah, like, but also, but just spit it out. I'm trying (laughs) to spit it out because it made this show made me start to think about you know streaming jails a little bit more. Now that this is kind of like one of the show that the most famous show, honestly, in in recent months that like oh summertime rendering it's supposed to be so good, but it just got trapped in streaming jail. I don't know if people should be freaking out as much about it now that I understand it a little bit more. I say that because, like, we already have shit shows like Stranger Things and, you know, uh, some things that are not episodic, but they drop in one big chunk. Like, those things are already streaming jail. You're not pissed off that those are coming out in, like, these massive chunks anyway. I feel as though the people that complain about streaming jail, it's because the anime community has a very specific and unique type of, you know, hype manifestation. And once they're given a trailer for something or, or sniff out some, some good new show, they want it. A lot of them want it now. They will t- rather take it weekly so they can be in the zeitgeist, be in the know. Um, I don't know what your thought, like after watching summertime rendering, do you feel as though you would have wished you've watched it weekly? I don't care. I, okay. I think it's stupid. Okay. I, Obviously, I'd prefer to binge everything. Like, this is the like one of the few cases where it felt like the binge almost fucking ended my life. Yeah, but, absolutely stopped your heart. <laughs> um, 
and I think the that really led was led by the fact that there's so many loops. Like it actually gets a little ridiculous toward the end how many loops they go through. There are eleven. Right. Yeah. Well, I think there's actually like twelve if you Oh add. okay. Yes, technically twelve. Technically yeah, twelve. But yeah. like overall it, it seemed like they could have ended this probably in seventeen episodes and it would have been fine in my opinion. And they really fucking dragged it out for twenty five. I think I got to episode 20 and I'm like, there's no fucking way they're not done just yet. Gassed. And yeah. I looked and it's like, oh, five more fucking episodes. And you might have heard me screaming up there. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding. I thought me. you were gaming. No. That was summertime rendering. Did that to you? Yes. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, fair shake. Fair shake. I guess that also brings up like shows like this could. I think they did drag a bit at points, though. I think. They did a more commendable job than I expected when I realized I'm only like halfway through that keeps some loops pretty fresh, right? Some of those loops are like an episode long, like really just like, oh shit, we fucked up. Like, oh no, we did not anticipate this. They yeah, keep it fresh enough. I mean, it is very hard to pull off like a loopy type, I guess, narrative. Like there's a book actually um, by Blake Crouch. It's called Recursion. It really plays with like, time looping and like trying to fix mistakes and stuff like that oh that's cool um but near the end of the book and this isn't i guess really all that much of a spoiler because the whole point of it is time looping yeah right right um they essentially like they truncate a lot of the loops by just telling you like we tried again and we failed you know what i mean like because you you want it's a similar actually a, a lot a lot ugh, very similar as far as like your memories catching up to your body that you've re-inhabited yeah, right. So, like, until the time that you went back in time, you don't re- recover all of your lifetime's worth of memories in this book. So, there's, like, a lag between, like, you. F- they're finally kind of all swimming right. into you. Okay. So, like, for the last, like, I don't know, couple of chapters, it's basically them just, like, re-entering their body with all of their memories and being like, fuck, we failed again. That's, that's interesting. So, you could almost be in, like, a war room and be like, let's try this. It's exactly Smack, right. No, that's not going to work. I, trust me, we tried. Wait, what if we try this thing? Nope, we just tried that one too. But it's not all that different than what happens in this sh- For show sure. because yeah. they do have this interesting um, mechanic of like bringing back your memories with you with this like this character, Ushio, like her shadow has stayed around. So you're able to like carry memories back with you as Shinpei gets stronger, he figures out more stuff he can do too with his ability. Um, but the point being, like this type of narrative is difficult. I think it's very, very hard to make it feel like, you know, a, a kind of a flowy narrative because like, at least for me, sometimes I was like, damn, we're back on day one again. Like, Because narratives are supposed to progress a time looping show inherently is built in down to its bones to be iterative not progressive not linear right right? i but there's kind of like this other aspect that i kind of got a little frustrated with and and we talked about it a tiny bit they're basically like for for the first couple loops saying we got to do everything exactly like we did it in my opinion i would do things just absolutely off the wall insane so that there's no fucking chance i could fall into the exact same 
issue I had. So like foreknowledge is interesting and, and like useful. I think occasionally you got me thinking when we talked about that the, the other day and I, I kind of disagree for like, this is maybe programmer brain because if I, if I have a bug in a fat piece of code and I want to attempt a solution, a fix, I wouldn't change four things. I would change one thing and then try that rule it out. I have that luxury. But if I were in Shinpei's shoes, I'd be like, okay, I think this pivotal decision was the crucial element that got us fucked up. So I need to make sure that as to not wonder the next time, oh shit, I did three different things. Which one of those things was the failure point this time? So to keep everything linear and then pivot the one variable, only test one variable at a time. I hope my team is watching this or listening to this because I'm I'm commenting down, commenting down. But so I, I understand that I understand why that's frustrating because it's like, no, I would try a bunch of different shit. But if you're really trying to figure some shit out and the solution, you change one element. And if that didn't work, cool. We we now right. know that. The With issue is yeah. the actual show throws a monkey wrench into it where there's another observer essentially that sees everything that you do. All of these shadows, after they scan you, know everything that you've done up until that moment. Yeah. So it's actually better in this specific case to be as fucking insane, insane old kooky as you can be. Oh, you got to be a real kooky one now. Yeah, I, but that that's actually a good retort. And I think that leads us into the heavy spoiler shit. So absolute warning, fans and folks. Like, this is this is a warning point because we're going to spoil us some shit. Um. So, but the other thing was just quickly, yeah, yeah, I also do not think I could ever completely live the same exact day again. Yeah, is it logically sound to do so? Yes, could I possibly? I don't think I could. No, no, I don't think I have that level of like, uh, do you think you would you would get food at the exact moment you got food originally? <laughs> Three, two, one, waiter, 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 waiter. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like it doesn't seem. Like there's a lot of obviously suspend suspend your disbelief kind of stuff, but when time shows do this, it really bothers me because it's like there's just absolutely no fucking chance you're gonna get it exactly right. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen. Um, so you brought up the one before we go, we're gonna go into some some characters, and we gotta talk about the big bad here because I think that is the final element that really makes this show stand out amongst the crowd. Of, of time looping shows and that is it turns out as we explore and uncover the mysteries of the shadows this goddess keeps popping up in the literature and the lore and the mythos I've, her name was uh hiruko hiruko no um, mikoto yeah hiruko no mikoto and something like that and it turns out that this this being is the progenitor of all of these shadows and the gift of this uh, looping through time that Shinpei has been given originated from her and it originated from one of her eyes. I need your help a little bit. The one detail I forgot. How did Shinji uh, Shinpei Shinji Shinpei originally get that eye? He got the eye from Ushio. Okay. I don't know why Ushio had it. So like her... Okay, this is what happened. Yeah, yeah, And we're in super spoiler, oh, yeah, spoiler this is, this territory. This is absolute spoiler town USA right when now. When Ryunusuke originally was eaten... Okay. This I saw. Um, Hiroko and Haine were sharing a body. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. As far as like personality, but yeah, it is... Yeah. 
um, obviously it is Hiroko. Yeah. She was in her like Heine personality. She ate her friend's little brother or right, right. twin brother. Yep. And then like essentially had a mental break. Right. Because she couldn't reconcile those th- two those things actions, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when she tried to scan Ryunosuke, whatever. Yeah. She, because her, she was so mentally fucked up. She was two seconds off. Yeah. Th- th- this I all know that, you know, I, I wanted to kind of describe that, um, but yeah, I saw that happen. All that happened. Right. So the eye yeah. gets blasted off because, I don't know, like a lightning strike or some shit. Sure, sure. And then that eye then turned into Ushio's shadow later. Okay. That's why she's not affected by all the shit that Mama does. Right. Okay. Okay. That, that all tracks. Mm-hmm. Then how did it go from her, that shadow, I guess, to, um... So the observer ability is to step back and see everything. Right. So she was able to step back and see, um, what's his face? Shinpei? Yeah, and give him the eye. There it is, because the shadow predated both of the living flesh versions of them, so managed to imbue itself. Okay. Got it, got it. Thank you. I, I don't know why I missed that pivot. I looked, must have looked at my computer for like a pivotal moment, and it's just like, that's how dense this show is, guys. Like, literally, you look away and like type, type an email out, you look up, you're fucked. Like, just, okay. Well, it's another thing where like, I think Nagamo or whatever her name was, the big titty chick that came to help him. Oh, uh, Hiruzu? Hizuru. Hizuru, They, they yeah, kept yeah. calling her like, G cup or whatever. Like anyway, G cup baby. The point is, I think also Ushio called her whilst dead. So I think it was actually her shadow or whatever that weird like constellation space they go into where they're observing everything. Yeah, right. I called them at that point because the voice was all jacked up and like it was just weird. So um, where, where I was going with with all of that, yes, because I want to talk about Hiruzu here in a bit. The the main villain in a story like this, I don't know if I've seen one where the 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 antagonist has the same looping ability, and that in part makes them the impossible threat to start with. When you got Re Zero, Tokyo Revengers, all this other stuff, you're fighting something that all that extra omnipotent information helps with. But what I don't think I've seen one where the threat itself is also able to loop. That made it really, really harrowing, right? There's no longer this unique gift our main character has, right? She found him in other realities. She right. found him. And it was like, it, it was one of the most, it was one of the best depictions of like a higher being in this kind of story than I've seen ever. Like other higher beings are like, oh, godlike strength. You literally can't beat me with like, you know, because I have this kind of magic. No, no, no. They're literally, you know, fourth, fifth dimensional beings. So cool. Um, and every time he loops, she knows that that loop has happened because she'll loop too. So they're just like, every time he does it, she'll do it too, which right. is crazy. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it does. I, I thought it added a little bit too much complexity for. I would say general it audiences. It ran away from itself for, yeah, a couple I, I do times. feel like this is probably one of those shows that's going to be hard for people to really understand. Frankly, I didn't get all of it, right? And, yeah. And we just talked about Ushio's eye thing. Yeah. Like, even that, I'm I'm like, I would say 85% on. 
Yeah, I'm, you've brought me to 90 because that was part of my 85. I'm like, where the fuck did that Well, like all... getting getting the eye to him was never really all that explained. Thank you. That that was that was the element. I'm like, how did that through line happen? But you could tell it was Ushio's eye because it was that weird light blue that yeah, she right. has. Yes, exactly. But then they switched to red eyes later and I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit now? Yeah. So there's like a, a few, I think, visual issues that's really hard to reconcile, but... Also, the story is very convoluted, very like spider webby. It's like I, I would say much harder to understand than Dorara, Charlotte, anything like that with like weird looping things. Um, yeah. And in fact, I would say Charlotte is actually quite an, an analog with this because you know that main character has to keep looping back um, in order to fix some of the mistakes that he's made through all these years. But the, his drawback is he goes blind and can't use it anymore. Whereas Shimpei's is like, he might fall off the time cliff and just never <laughs> the time. Cliff. Right. Literally. <laughs> it's what that is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just once again, very calorically dense. And I thought probably didn't need all 12 or 13 loops or whatever the fuck we probably could have gotten through like seven and then like been okay. I think they of course did like four really rapidly, but then the last loops just took like a long time. And then, I think he was a little slow to realize Heine was like able to see him. You yeah, Heine like, being the main villain was able to because he should have fucking realized it way sooner than that when there's loops where where she just like shows up in a place that he's like she wasn't here before. Like that should be obvious that she knows right. something. Yeah. So yeah, as as much as her kind of addition and her power set matching Shinpei's did add complexity, it did also add some uniqueness that I think there were moments that were it it felt like there was now an opponent in this chess match. Like, and, and was, a very formidable opponent. I, one one of the coolest things I think they did with them though, them being Hiroko slash Hine and Shide, who was the big forearm shadow guy. Yeah, he was. For, for honestly just like so obscenely op oh it, it god was stupid yeah and by the way like his whole power system really dumb uh, okay like the okay so the i just, I'm just quickly okay, i'm gonna get, 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 get going get yep one thing they did with them that i really really liked is they had to change strategies midway through they're like at first they're like stay away from them as much as possible right you know just like we're just going to deal with everybody else and then not deal with him. And then they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's kill him as many times as we can. So he falls off the cliff and then we're done. That's br- yes. Genius. Again, again, the way that the addition of that restriction in the, that gift wasn't just to add narrative urgency. It added a, a stratagem for the antagonistic force to be like, no, wait, we don't have to wait out the clock. We can just wind it all the way until right. it stops working. Shit, let's just do that. And then there's moments where like they will actively like hide. Okay, he's supposed to be here because she, all, Heine, the the main villain, remembers all this shit. So he goes to Shine, like okay, or Shide, Shide. You, okay, he's gonna be here tomorrow. Hide in that house, and then just mercs everybody right. or kills. And that one loop, Nezu, the old guy, is a really good marksman, but they put him on that cliff to scope out for everything they kill him from behind and they just they just snipe uh snipe shinpei out and he's just like wait why am i back here he's like what the fuck oh, just happened shit yeah. yeah so good um other characters on sh- uh the the shinpei squad uh we talked about this hiruzu chick he's a ru he's a ru chick kind <laughs> of chick one 
She is the baddie of this show. She is my kind of fucking woman. She is tall, dark-haired, big opies truth, really like glasses, stoic, and she fights with a big ass fuck off sledgehammer. Come on. That is some real Sid energy from early like eminence. Um I think it's similar. I felt like I was very big, like chainsaw man energy personally. Ooh, yeah. I, I was getting I was getting this you know what? Fuck me up with any <laughs> fighter. Fuck me up with any fighter who also like a chick who also seems like she like part time moonlights at a Home Depot. Yeah. Fight, give me some motherfucking power tools as weapons. Crowbars in. Sledgehammer in. Fuck it. We'll give two drills and just like, just, yeah. That's all I need. I want. Well, one sh- of their main weapons was a nail gun. Yes, exactly. I want a shonen that's like based in a Lowe's, like a Home Depot. <laughs> and that's like their entire power set is like just fucking power tools. Okay. Give it to me. Give it <laughs> to me. That's going to suck. Mappa, come on. Come on. You know you want it. Um, that is probably a Mappa, you know, that'd be a Mappa original. <laughs> but in any case, home improvement. Her 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 <laughs> shtick was interesting. She's going back to the island, as Ethan said, because of the call she gets from Yushido, basically like warning or telling her to come back. Uh, like, yo, bitch, she's going, going down. down. Bring that sludge and let's go. Sledge? Give me the sledge. Um, she comes back and it turns out she has a bit of a gift as well. Bring the hammer. Yeah. She, she uh, kind of, at first, it seems like she has some kind of, you know, split personality disorder where she will just go, like, she'll put her hair up and then she'll just go, like, mean mug it and, or just behave differently, which I found it really interesting that, like, when it was uh, Runosuke, is that how you say it? Runosuke was uh, her twin brother that was, I think, Heine's first ish victim not first victim but like the one that kind of started this whole set of events um when that i all the data from eating Heine came out and merged through hisru now she is imbued with a shadow which is why her body is bolstered which they did a good job of showing that it's a human body but shadow controlled will still tear itself apart so I think what actually happened, and this is this was a very hard scene. I totally agree. Yeah, I think the Flash projected Ryanusuke's dying body. You know how it like eats it. Yeah, projected that into Hizuru. That's why she has all that weird shit on her hands. I no. Uh, what I saw, if you looked at that scene, her eye popped out. She went like this, and the eye passed through her hands and her head, and you got the same light that you get when uh, Renoscape can uh, possess shit. So the eye passed through. All that data was imbued in her, and he's now living. And we saw credence of that. He tried to take over Shide. He tried to take over something else later in the later in the show too. Um, that's why his consciousness is kind of there. Right, but there's, I, I think there's like a f- kind of an idea of the data being two seconds off of time, the correct timeline. Yeah. And I think that was like she flashed but didn't actually eat the data. Right, she couldn't. She literally, it, it, she rejected it. So I think the flash, that's why her hands were all burned, I thought, was okay. because, you know how like when you, they eat a human body, it leaves all that black ash on the ground? Right. Right. Well, that's all over her hands. So I thought, and this is just like pure speculation, that it was sort of like a camera flash against her 
you know, uh, also like this is really morbid, but like when you die in an atomic bomb and you just get like flashed onto a surface. Oh yeah, it'll literally like stain the surface right. with a shadow, which is insane, creepy. But um, but yeah. So but I think what also what the way I interpreted the two the two second thing, the reason why he's such a huge help fighting the shadows for Hirazu is that. He is temporally living two seconds in the future in this world. So I think the problem that I think where that came from is that it was ejected from her eye. Like literally the gift that there's two seconds between ejecting itself and then going through or being imbued in Hirazu. He was sent two seconds into the into that future. So then she and him are like kind of in parallel, just like displaced by a couple seconds. So she has future sight. Which is badass as fuck. I love that power set. Yeah, I, like I said, very I think difficult to understand. I don't, I'm not sure either of us have it right. To be honest, yeah, honest, there's probably somewhere in the middle. We would need Shinpei's eyes to figure this shit out. Which was interesting. So the way that they combated that specific ability of being two seconds in the future was if any of the observers were watching. They could essentially stop her from being two seconds in the future by just observing two seconds ahead of time. Exactly. Essentially. And and Heine had the benefit of being telepathically linked to all of the shadows she makes. So she could then communicate what is happening two seconds in the future to the people that are actually fighting. And again, this 4D chess shit, Hirozu and Rinosuke figured this out that there's still a lag because she has to communicate that tel- uh, telepathically. So it didn't go down to zero seconds. It was like a, like a tenth of a second. What a fucking like, wild, like... Yeah, really sick. It's really sick shit. Um, other characters include... you. We didn't talk about Yushido, which is important, because I think they did her kind of character super well. She did die at the beginning. Let's get that fucking clear. She was trying to save a little girl, Shidio, Shidio, um, uh, Shiori, Shiori, Shiori. Thank you. Um, and uh, <laughs> if you didn't try a couple of times, I wouldn't have gotten it. Fair enough. Yeah, le- le- legend of water. So the the inciting incident did actually happen, but her shadow was present before she died kind of was found out by Yushio and turns out she's kind of chill she's kind of fucking eh, you know, I'm, I'm a shadow sure but like how about your boy like let's, yeah let's but it, it was very like particularly special in that it was not linked to Hine slash Hiriko's like pole it was essentially a, it was a shadow made from Heine. Right. But so, not, like, yeah. unbounded essentially and had similar, like, hacking abilities and stuff like that, which becomes, like, a really big deal throughout the show, but also did a great job. Like, she being special is really the reason that people are able to keep their memories through each of the loops, which also I thought was going to be a real pain in the ass if they had to keep explaining to So why he's, like, on their team. Thank I was you, like, this yeah. is going to really fucking suck. Yeah, this you is going to be mean? awful. Um, so that was great. And then also, like, to get past, like, like Tokiko, So's little sister, does some, like, pretty devious shit in the first two loops, three loops. But then when she, like, realizes... Like, oh, I've made this big mistake. They're able to carry that through all the rest of the loops by using that mechanic, which was really, really cool. Like, That's pretty sick. I I thought it was going to be a real struggle bus to get (laughs) these characters to understand they're on the same team and to, like, recognize all of the, like, I guess, built up 
camaraderie and re- um, I guess just overall reputation with each other through each of the loops was, I thought it was going to be just an absolute disaster. They did a pretty good job because everyone involved was like, like whether it be Hirazu who's already experienced this, whether it be Nezu who is indoctrinated into this way of thinking because of the island's lore, right? That, that it all felt pretty natural that they just would believe them. Oh, they were down for the cause. They were in, they were in there like swimwear, dude. They were ready to go. And the, everyone, even soul, Sue, so so he uh he'd be the only one that I thought at least would be like standoffish to the ideas of like whoa 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 what the fuck are you guys talking about he I I would have liked to see him do more of that bro but he's he, a rider freaking die he's a rider die kind of guy I I like that he's he's like he hears it once and he's just like let me get my baseball gear let's fuck it up like well, let's plus do it. he does have like a very serious crush on Mio Mio yeah, so yeah he feels like since. <laughs> You know, he needs to protect her kind of thing. For sure. So, I, I mean, if I had just some gripes at the end, I mean, I, I felt that the Yushido use of the shadow, was, while cool, uh, was a bit of a Mary Sue element there, where it's just like she happened to be the key to everything. The narrative explanation for it made sense. So it wasn't completely like, oh, she just is a special uh, shadow. I thought at first, actually, that we had some narrative credence that shadows have the capacity to evolve. Because when Hirazu came back and was talking to Nezu, was just like, wait, shadows are giving birth to shadows? They couldn't do that last time I was here. So I thought there was some, oh, there's an element of eventually generationally these shadows can evolve and do more. And then Yushio is like the next generation to break out. Even more narratively tight than that. She was part of Heine that was unwillingly let go. So she was, like you said, unchained, unbound. Um, but again, a bit... In in those moments, like the Mary Sue elements, there is some uh, a bit of a little bit of ass pull with her character in te- certain tense situations. But all in all, not enough to write home about and say, "Dear Mom, Hey Diary, this show sucked." <laughs> XOXO. Um, uh, you've got some pretty weird uh, diary entries. <laughs> <laughs> dear Diary, Ethan made fun of you today, and I was not happy about it. You I said didn't say dear, anything. You said, "Dear Diary, Hey Mom." This oh sucked. no, I said, "Hey Mom." Or hey diary. Oh, oh. I was like, do why I are you my, writing to your mom do in I your call diary? My diary, mommy. No, uh, dear diary. Dear diary. Um, but yeah, that, there's there's a couple gripes here and there. I, I think, like you said, some of the loops can slog. The, metic- the, the meticulations of of certain loops uh, definitely feel slow. Like really, really cooking it, um, and it can definitely drag on. You need to be in in the zone to really watch this show and um i think part of it's the pacing it's not so much that it's like it's too slow at times it's just it's juxtaposed with some really well done tense but also high octane moments it's it's the disparity is really far sometimes so yeah and, and like i this is the very end of the episode so i'm just gonna go like spoiler century how can we go even further than that well i want to talk about the last Two episodes, I guess. Okay. Last two episodes it is. So essentially the whole story goes by. Oh, by the way, super spoilers. Like this is the last two episodes. We are now in we're now in the deep underground. Who have watched this. Or if you're if you're a sicko who's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Give me the spoilers. Well, the last two episodes, we'll see what you say. There are even some elements earlier in midway. There's some there's some twisted drops we have not and will not say. 
honestly. Are you a sneaky little snake? <laughs> a sneaky little snake I am. So let's 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 hammer it out. Let's go to the core of Spoiler Town USA. So essentially the second to last episode, they they enter um here it goes home. So it's essentially yeah. like a god plane where time stops essentially. Um, it sucks. I don't know why she wants to go back there so really bad. weird because there's an L like it's kind of t- a time stoppage of her own youth. And there's like entering into this timeless space is like World War Two bombers. Do you remember that? Well, okay, that was because when she was inhabiting Heine, she was alive for World War Two. Oh no, I, I understand why they can't that why they would be in that scene why would she want to be there like she this didn't home, this she home. they used that like imprint of that memory oh that's right he like forcibly used the memory of that moment out of her yeah forgot yeah keep going that makes sense okay. well one thing i i think needs to be said is hiriko had or Heine, whatever i they're pretty much in, interchangeable i'm just gonna refer to it as Heine. yep um, had this weird thing where in a couple loops she was super weak and then in some she was just doing like off the wall insane shit like like copying every oxygen molecule in an entire gym and then like eating it so it was like a vacuum she can yeah the shadows can copy anything even liquids and gases as long as they're it's in a container and she just saw the gymnasium as a container of oxygen and then just right which, by the way, counter counter contradicted their idea of like, oh, it has to be within fifty meters or fifteen meters because oh, that, that gym was too big. The gym was too big. But anyway, not yeah, important. Not important. Um, but I thought weird because they showed her like unable to walk and weaker, and then all of a sudden she's just like fucking styling on our main characters. So I couldn't quite get like what the deal was there. But anyway, so the last second to last episode, she's like this little fucking bean. She's the this little bean. this yeah. little baby bean with no eyeballs, little ribeye. I'm um, just crying all the time. They they kick on Shide's ass because he's the worst fucking villain of all time. Uh, I'm not gonna live forever, so I just said I'm gonna kill everyone. It's like, yeah, okay, he's kind really of, cool. He's kind of a chode, like, like just terrible, terrible fucking motivations. <laughs> um, but anyway. So they they solve the world's problems, whatever, and then they essentially erase Hiriko's presence in the past from ever having come to Hidegashima. But then she's still the like island goddess. So a little bit of a mistake there, because um, they still have that shrine to her. They're still doing the summer festival to like burn all the trash that she's brought on shore. So. A bit of a mistake, I think. Because wasn't Shide the one to kind of start that mythos in the first place? Well, so I think what they they their their rebuttal to me would be this island already had that like that was myth. okay. That's what I was saying, and then, and then they just thought it was Hine. Yeah, so they're like thinking physically? okay. Yeah, so the the goddess as an image as an idol did exist in the lore of the island. Yeah, and then. I think, no, no, that's what it was. The goddess did already exist, but Shide warped it to say that this is how we celebrate it, is that it comes from the ocean. He just kind of tweaked on the myth a little bit, but I think the goddess was already there. Like, the goddess of, like, the ocean's bounty or whatever the fuck. I don't know. A lot of the past stuff was pretty hard to follow. Um, But anyhow, so they erase, essentially, um, what's her name? Honey? Yeah, but the, her real name. Hiriko from ever coming to the island. Because she came there as a whale. 
Right. Which is pretty interesting. Well, actually, her whole backstory was kind of cool. And, and it like, actually... She was like a fucking meteor. Yeah, she she came here on a meteor. She's she an landed, alien. Yeah, she's an alien. But I like the idea is that she lived in the ocean for so long, copying potentially tens of thousands of creatures. That gave me a real sense of Sonder and just kind of like, oh shit, like how much of the sea is just copied material? Just well, it's, it's a lot like that other show. Um, to Your Eternity. Yeah, that one. Yep. Um, anyhow, so they erase <laughs> her essentially from the timeline, which I did like that. Yeah. But it essentially restarted everything from that moment and then like took out all the shadows that ever existed. But the problem is when you do shit like that, you really fuck up timelines. Like, basically, it would be impossible for everything to have happen the way it did in the final episode there's no way we can guarantee any of the human beings that are our main characters were ever born period right so it's just it's stupid in that case plus i do like i i felt it was wholesome that he got to be with this girl and it was wholesome and that they like seem to have some some ability to recollect all the time they spent together over the last three days very steins gatey yeah um, it was a cute final episode. Fucking but cute. Really stupid because it is impossible to have happened that way. Like even Ryanusuke marrying Asako, which was Hizuru's best friend. Right. I right. guess supposed to their best friend. And then still having Shiori. Thank you. That was the one thing I was gonna say. How the fuck is that even possible? Right. The only way that that works is if Ryanusuke is basically this doormat to his wife because if everything happened the same, it's because she made it all happen. Yeah, she <laughs> still fucked Kobe or whatever his name yeah, is right. and had she a kid. Still did that. Oh um, god. But anyhow, so like very cute. I really liked the like, you know her. Um, her pretending like she's all pissed at him, you know that kind of stuff, right? Like very like cute. Um, I don't I don't remember how old they are. I guess eighteen. They're like, like I think 17, 17, 18, 18 year yeah. old. Like in, in my head, talking about talking to your true love and being like all pissed off because let's they actually left. have a summer rom com now. Yeah, I think for me the way I the way I see shows like that is that if you're going to be fairly solidly well constructed in a complex narrative, I think it deserves a bit of a neat bow. Like I could go, I can go ahead and forget. I had a great time. I used my fucking brain for 25 straight episodes. You know, the end felt like kind of a, oh, all right, nice. Right. Okay. But I do think it, it did erase some of the, like the punch, the emotional punch that was to be like, okay, Ushio, we saved everyone's life. Unfortunately, like I regret never telling you I loved you, but I mean, that's life. Like that's it, life. Yeah. It's kind of what I was hoping for just because I would, that would have made this to me like obviously emotionally pretty aggressive and painful, but I think like something like this should have that that final like nail in the coffin to be like this is life. And they they had they had such a beautiful game going with that, right? Like Shimpei like was all about all these people were like saying goodbye essentially, and Shimpei was all about like I'm I'm gonna have regrets, right? And I'm then I, this I have to reconcile with having them and how do I move forward with them this that would have been a beautiful ending here a real mature nuanced ending like and then you, him like having have his arm missing and some fingers would have been like this is real this happened this, this is what you wanted hurts. remember that remember that, that the speech in the gym like I'm gonna have regrets so I'm just I'm gonna you know I'm still gonna do something even if I regret it because doing nothing at all is worse than doing something and regretting it so that would have been a really good, to your point, 
scarred head to toe loss everywhere around him but the world inherently is saved he did something but he has regrets he got exactly what he his mantra said he was going to adhere to and he has to live with that for the rest of his life that would have been really like shit that would have probably put this show in the 90s for me like and and a little well, i think it still might be there for me but the, okay. the other thing like a little bit of a mistake his parents wouldn't have stayed on the island because they were there just to see Hiriko's grotto, which doesn't exist in this world, this like new timeline. Yeah, so right. they wouldn't have even been in there in their first place. So a little bit of a like, I think a really sloppy last episode that they just threw in to be 25 episodes. And like, wow, I obviously really enjoyed them getting to like, you know, make up, you know, her do her Sunday thing. He do his like, you know, whatever. I also think it would have been interesting if they had had him like have this serious emotional weight for every character that he's seeing without realizing why, like he did with Hizuru. Uh, right. Cause That's, he like we've wakes seen up that in the past before. Yeah. He wake, well, I think Charlotte, I think did it a little bit. Bleach but, did it. Yeah. True. Yeah. So he wakes up on the ferry and he just starts bawling in Hizuru's lap essentially. And, and she's like, I've never met you before. Like, you know, I, you don't know me that well, that kind of thing. But, but it, and then he meets all these other characters that he spent all this, like, really, it's only three days, but it was, like, a lot of times. Yeah, right. He spent all this time with, like, just, you know, being, like, crew. It would have been really cool to see him just, like, just absolutely break down into tears and not know why. Yeah, like the Ryanosuke, emotional yeah, the emotional seeing him resonance. grow up, like, oh my God, this guy yeah. that was with him, literally. Inside of him. Would have yes. been, it just, I think, would have added, like, some serious, serious punch um, if you still wanted to go with like, I fixed everything, you know what I mean? Kind of, kind of true, true. Yeah. And I, this, so in that light, it's, this is like watching a gymnast have a perfect entry, a triple axle quadruple 10 out of 10, never seen before trick kind of thing, land and break his ankle. <laughs> like, Ow! like he's still stuck a landing, yeah. right? But his ankle's fucked. Like, yeah. it's like, well, was it worth it to really just kind of, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. To your point, I I think. Well, I just think that's the only way you 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 recover. Yeah, the only way you decision. recover is you got to break an ankle. You have to sacrifice a little bit. The sh- the, the narrative suffered so that or just make him like to. be a weirdo now, where he's just like fucking crying when he sees everybody. Yeah, right. Right. There's a, yeah, again like, a bunch of ways. I was genuinely this. expecting him to just like start bawling when he saw Lucio. Yeah, yeah, that would be and really, like really hugger or nice. something. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, um, but. Anyway, I think what I'm going to rate this, because okay. I actually have to go here yeah, pretty yep. soon. Yep. Um, I'm going to give it a 90 out of 100, actually. Wow. Even though it dragged on too long, I still think that they did a, let's just exclude the last episode, a fairly good job carrying the through lines through all these weird loops. Um, they did a great job with some of the narrative decisions they've got. Shinpei's a really good main character, very like reasonable in a lot of his decisions, which is really all I look for, frankly. For me, I'm going to go ahead and maybe give this surprising. I want to say 86. Interesting. And, a bit high, and that might be a bit high. I didn't even lean 85. And uh, I've been You're right, tra- 32. <laughs> so I think the. I've been rethinking what constitutes a 90 for me and like thinking of a new new rubric for what that means. And for me, I think a 90 is a show of this quality, but it also has not just a 
like kind of a, a simp energy from me trying to put that away, but more approachability to a larger group of people. I don't think a large amount of the masses would fully enjoy this show. Not that they couldn't. To your point, it is so fucking dense. Well, I don't give a flying fuck if people get in yeah. or not. It well, doesn't I mean, change this, my scoring. This, this, but my rating is like, oh, he said it was X. I'm going to go ahead, like, because he said it was that score, I'm going to go ahead and watch it because of that. I'm saying it's an 86 because... I think you should do a U score and then a general population score. I still honestly would say an 86, 87. My score is a 90. I think the general populace probably thinks this is like a mid 80. I agree with you. Yeah, and and, I have to see why. And I agree with what I would imagine people to say. Like, you can't look away. This is a complete dedication to even really fully enjoy all the details and that is not something that everyone would be able to do there are shows that hit this hard emotionally that do not require this much concentration and still have the level of quality story writing characters and i know for me it's like a mob psycho but there's for others there are other shows that could be in that 90 category that hits this hard from a narrative and complexity and a fun standpoint while not having to really drain your brain calories like you said um, this is a hearty meal, y'all. But if you're willing to sit down and you're coming hungry, you're going to have a really good fucking time. And if you like anything like a ReZero Steinsgate, anything in that element, like you're ready to play some 5D fucking chance against some demons, then this show is absolutely for you. Um, tight, tight narrative. One season and done. Two cores. You're in it. You're out of it. It's, it's great. But thank you for coming to class. Yeah, thank you for coming to this class. We biology, this 5D chess classroom. If you'd like to discuss all the intricacies of summertime rendering or why streaming jails still sucks, you can get into our Discord at $1 and up at patreon.com slash ubology. All of our lovely Patreon folk and our past guests are in there now, chilling, talking about shit. Food, memes, anime, all the fun stuff. Um, if you want some extra content, three dollars and up gets you the syllabus sidebar, our lo-fi, high vibe, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes on hiatus, and sometimes visual show where we talk about life and things and our own time loops. That's right. Me and Ethan time loop. But yeah, you wouldn't we know are time that, travelers. But you wouldn't know that if you weren't in the sidebar so if you want to uh hit us up anywhere all the links where you can contact us are in the description wherever you're watching this or listening to this wait a minute you're listening guys you're already there you're already there go over two clicks one down and you have 200 plus episodes of our backlog we talk about literally all types of anime and stuff that we have loved and have not loved at all um <laughs> you can listen to us rage go listen to x-arm one that show sucks um next week we're gonna be doing blue lock so watch it ahead of time did you just blue lock I that did. in dude holy shit until we literally dig into the future to tell you about the new content that we'll be making i'm ricky and i'm ethan and this is Billy biology uh, oh shit dude you just like signed a yeah. wet signature on that one man sure did <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>